Greetings, glorious beings. I'm Paulette, your host of Thriving in Chaos, the podcast. I'm thrilled to introduce you to sparkling examples of inspiring, powerful, wise, and trailblazing women. I've curated experts in their fields to help us all listen, learn, and grow towards all the possibilities of living your best life. As a certified divorce coach, I regularly witness a range of deep emotions. What those emotions have taught me is all we really need to support our sisters is to share our knowledge and loving kindness. Please subscribe and thank you for sharing the love by tuning in. Now let's thrive in the chaos. Welcome to Thriving in Chaos, the podcast. I'm your host, Paulette, and today, wow, we find ourselves in March, and time has a way of flying so quickly. Sometimes I find myself caught up in a blur that days turn into weeks, which turn into months, but I wanted to be sure to have today's guest on the show as soon as possible. Her name is Pam Roy. And we met a month ago when I attended a conference, or I guess more of a workshop, up just north of Santa Cruz at a place called 1440, which I learned is the amount of minutes in a day. So listen up, people, 1440. Make sure you use them all wisely. But Pam and I both attended one of Kelly Nataris's workshops about writing. I had the good fortune of meeting Kelly in Bali in 2014 when I decided to go on my writing journey and write a book. And years later, I've still kind of developed, I guess, a kinship and more of a relationship um, as a, a sort of a business coach and a more so with Kelly. And um, she told me about her writing um workshop, right? Uh, and I said, you know what? I'm going because I want to keep my writing um, skills fresh. And I was doing an online course. So I found myself in this lovely little, I don't know, like haven in the middle of nowhere with big redwood trees. I highly recommend you check it out if you're looking for a, a sanctuary that's a great place to unplug dig deep and do a deep dive into the work that you're doing. But um, so Pam and I had this great organic conversation amongst one of our meals or workshops about divorce and the fact that I'm a divorce coach and a, a registered mediator and bam, the conversation really freed up about her experience. So I invited her on the show today, Thriving in Chaos, to talk about the success story of what divorce can be. Welcome, Pam. Thank you, Paulette. I'm so excited to be here. I was also inspired by your work and your uh, mission to um, help people as they go through this, which could be a very difficult journey in life, but it also can be a tremendous growth experience as it was for me. And instead of something that broke my family apart, it transformed my family into something quite different that was authentic and real. And I'm so happy to talk about the experience. Oh, thank you. I, I get chills just hearing you say that because I typically hear horror stories of 
oh, confusion and pain and anguish and financial ruin and alienation and estrangement and, oh God, every conceivable bad scenario. Because you know what? It's never fun. I know, I mean, I know when you, you and I both agree that nobody goes into marriage with a negative mindset or a feeling of, oh, well, if it doesn't work out, you know, I'll just go my own way and so be it. We all go to marriage with being in love and having a sense of hope and promise for the future and creating a family and creating a beautiful life together. But that doesn't always happen. Well, it doesn't always work out, but I think, uh, I don't know if you have ever heard of Dr. Shafali, who does the conscious parent and the um, awakened family, but she's, she, her take on this is that uh, marriage is about growth. And in the United States in particular, a culture values longevity. So it doesn't matter if you have grown as far as you can grow with this person or um, that you have, uh, you know, changed who you are through your experience. Like I view my own marriage as a gift to helping me develop into um, my authentic self. And that it was a process that I think that, that we go through grieving and mourning. We always think of it as a death of a person. But for me, I can remember on my 10th anniversary realizing wow, I'm really the only one in this marriage. I'm the one organizing. He shows up to everything. But there were, there were not two people feeding the marriage. And, and that really is very important for growth and allowing growth to happen in the marriage. And so that began a mourning process for me. So it's not like this was like, oh yeah, this is easy. It was first mourning the death of the ideal of what I thought marriage would be. It was that, that um, Jerry Maguire thing. Oh, you complete me, right? <laughs> yeah. And of course, the journey of learning that I had to complete myself and that in fact was the gift um, that you can't control anybody else and that there are times that you grow in such a way that um, it, it doesn't work the same way that you had hoped. And I think I had a therapist once tell me that, you know, marriage, uh, we used to be married and die young, right? We had our children and we died. Well, now we live to 80, 90, 100, and there's two lifetimes of a marriage. There's the marriage of the family, and there's the marriage of companionship and that next stage of life. And it's not always possible to transition uh, into the two, but, the, but we have this perceived security that if we have marriage, then somehow we're safe. We're certainly validated in our culture right? And I think, although now I think divorce is, is much more um, acceptable, and it's certainly not rare. Um, and I think it, it's just been an interesting um, journey for myself, because I was raised Catholic, um, raised with parents who, you know, were married till my dad died 62 years. My husband's parents married, you know, over 50 some odd years for when they, before they died. And this, this issue of, um, longevity being the definition of a successful marriage, mm. regardless of the quality, regardless of whatever. So I think for me, um, and, the, and the process of coming to terms with really um, not wanting to spend the next 30 to 40 years after my children had gone uh, away to school, 
in this marriage that that both of us weren't in that we were both not feeding it and to honor that i think that, that the hardest thing for me to come to terms was was accepting who he was which is really all we can do and that he is not a terrible bad person but by in accepting he had different dreams different goals different motivations and even different values that that uh was not against me that was just who he was and then i had the choice to decide is this something that i can um, spend the rest of my life with and the answer for me was no and so then at that moment it was you know really holy cow you know what am i going to do about my kids uh we have three beautiful daughters he he has been you know a wonderful father he um you know loves them as i do they are both they are half of each of us so how do how do i how do i respect that and he was also comfortable in the marriage you know and so he wasn't didn't necessarily want the divorce he kept saying, oh, I'm going to do better. I, you know, I'm going to do better. I, mean, I, know, I know I'm not a good husband. I'm going to do better. And I was like, well, you know, 24 years later, you know, the, I think it's, you're fine. You know, you're fine the way you are. And I just, um, this isn't healthy for our kids to see that we don't have um, a marriage. This, I'm not modeling something that's, that's healthy for them as three up and coming women. Would I want them? And actually a counselor said that what would you advise your daughters at this moment? Mm. I thought, wow, no, I would not want them to constantly, you know, sacrifice who they are for something uh, when they, when they have so much that they want to give to the world. But on the other hand, I would advise them about their responsibility, not only to themselves, but to their children, to their community, to their family. And I wanted to keep my family. I just didn't want to keep the marriage and he's part of my family. And so that began the journey. Um, and, and it's, I truly believe things happen when they should and people come into your life when, when they should. So I happened to be taking this class called Facing Your Fears. And the woman who was teaching it was a therapist and she actually had just joined a collaborative divorce group in um, Orange County where I live, Orange County, California. And, um, so, and this is run by this woman, Patrice Catro, and she has 25 years experience in this. So we went to meet her um, to begin to talk about what if, was there anything we should be, you know, could we save it? Was there a few, you know, anyways, we go through this process um, over several months. So this is the kind of flipping the, um, the, uh, the way most people go for divorce. Most people do legal, then they separate their financial, and then they go into therapy for years. We uh, did the opposite in that we went into therapy to start and begin evaluating you know, ourselves. We wrote a mission statement about what we would want it to look like for our children. Um, then we separated our finances um, ourselves in two different trusts. Uh, we, we had our, a family trust and we divided it into two. And then the very last thing we did for 2,400 bucks was to um, hire a mediator and um, sign the legal and uh, wait six months and a day. So as of December 29th, we were officially divorced. But we, um, my children actually found out a year before 
you know, my, my grand plan, right? So I'm thinking, oh my gosh, so when the last one goes to college, uh, that's the time we'll sell the house. We were always planning on selling the house at that time, and then we can, you know, separate our lives. Well, a year earlier, she had asked me where I was going when I was on my way to one of these uh, sessions and said, mom, where are you going? And you know, never asked me that. She's, you know, a senior in high school off doing her thing. <laughs> I'm like, well, dad and I are going to this, you know, counseling session and, and what, are you getting a divorce? And I said, no, 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 no. We're just looking at the next stage of our lives. Nothing's happening right now. We are just looking at what happens uh, when we are empty nesters and just evaluating what all our options are. So we went off to the session and came back and she comes in and she says, you know, mom, I gotta tell you, I would be okay if you got divorced. You know, I love you, I love dad, but I see this and, you know, out of the mouths of babes because kids do see and feel everything. Mm -hmm. You know, we can all pretend and we can all whatever, but uh, they do feel and absorb so much of what's going on. And we didn't yell or scream or, you know, anything like that. It was, um, it was, it was different, but it, they could still sense that that wasn't the connection, but the family fed us. And so that was worth, you know, staying and working on my own personal growth and my own, you know, um, self-evaluation. What was, what was, what was I doing? What was I not doing? And um, so anyway, so once the kids found out a year early, we did a family session with um, Patrice and um, we sat there and she, she asked, told the kids, say, give me every question you would ever want to know of your parents. And so my girls, I have three, three daughters. Um, they're, they're so kind. They, they were just answer, asking so many questions that they really, but they were so respectful of the space. And you know, what, what does it look like when we have grandchildren? Uh, were you ever in love? I mean, every question you can imagine. And this is what Patrice later was telling me that most kids don't get the option to ask the questions. They just are told we're divorced and here, you know, here's the two spaces you're going to. And so it was really an opportunity for us to discuss what, what this looks like and also to address the fact, yes, when we met, it was magical. And um, my husband at the time went first and he was talking about having met me and how I was, you know, nurturing and caring and, you know, brought him a special bagel when, when, and he was like, gosh, this, this is a person that would be really um, a wonderful mom and whatever, very flattering. And I said, you know, for me, I didn't get that same nurturing. I, I definitely was expected to give it. And I think the best thing I learned from this was that I matter too. And that I will only matter as much as I determine that I matter. Um, it's not his job to give it to me. It's my job to give it to myself. So I look at him as the gift that broke me open to realizing that and the, and the gift of my three beautiful children. And then comes the, um, so this is sort of the conscious uncoupling, which I'm sure you're familiar with, which is, you know, really doing it in a way that honors what is and kind of working through the muck uh, with it in the surface instead of pretending. And it was just such a wonderful experience with my kids. It's like a death that happens where you stand around the deathbed and it's so sad. 
that the person is dying, but the connectedness that you have in this authentic raw moment is really, really beautiful. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I felt that and, and it, it has been hard on my kids at different times. Absolutely. Um, but they're allowed to grieve. They're allowed to be sad. They're allowed to, and I'll tell them that they're like, mom, this is hard. And I'm like, yes, it has to be hard. And then it's like, you normalize everything. I'm like, oh geez. Um, but I think just allowing them the full range of emotion and, um, coming to terms with it and allowing them to love their dad and me and that we were different in different ways, but that our family itself was the love for each other. So it was like, well, what's going to happen to our family? Well, what are you willing to put in to ensure that our family stays together? You know, what are you willing to do? Because it's going to take all of us to keep this family a family with the holiday. I mean, we're fortunate. And again, I don't think that this is possible for everyone. So I don't want to paint it like this is what everyone should do because there are dynamics and situations that make this totally impossible. But in our particular situation, we have two, uh, both sides of our family who are incredible people and we've been celebrating holidays and we still continue to celebrate holidays. We can still consider each other family members. So uh, we've just kept that even though it's been, you know, like some of our siblings have known for three, four years. Um, we we're there, we're present, we try to do, we try to do our best. And, you know, there's certainly times that it's very challenging, but that goes to what's important. And when I put the value on the importance of modeling to my children, what it means to be a responsible adult, what it means to be a loving, kind human being, then that grounds me again. So in my imperfect moments, <laughs> which of course there are them, I'd be like, oh geez, I didn't handle that well. Um, you know, and then I'm quite open with my kids about that. Okay, it didn't handle that well. Or, you know, I'll, I'll make a comment and go, he's our mom, he's our dad. I'm like, oh, geez, I know, I'm sorry. I was just like, whoa, you're right. And back to ground, you know, back to center. So, um, so it's been for me um, a very transformative experience. Mm -hmm. And I think um, each of my daughters processes, process it differently. Um, and they're on their journey and I guess, um, I walk with them, but I don't try and save them from it. I don't, um, I, for me to, to stay in a marriage that was empty and that I couldn't grow and that uh, there was so much I wanted to do in the world for me, I wouldn't have helped my children, uh, by modeling that. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think, um, I saw it in my my mother-in-law with her marriage. And so the minute she died, I knew, wow, I can't stay. Mm -hmm. And, um, but then really consciously decided how to do this to the best of my ability. And luckily I was uh, married to someone who also had that priority of the family and the priority of uh, the children first that we'd brought into this world and how to uh, do that. And, um, you know, be as kind as possible. And uh, so anyway, that, that was our, that was our journey. Beautifully put, Pam. Now it's only been a few months since the ink is dry. Yes. 
but it was a long process before that. I mean, you know, I was married Still 24 years. Yeah, yeah. Fresh um, finality, shall I say. And you were married how long? 24 years. Mm, okay. And I knew on my 10th anniversary that this wasn't yeah, what I thought it was. It's interesting that you brought up the 10th anniversary. I find that that is a magical spot in a marriage. I find that with being a professional and working with predominantly women or couples going through this, if, if there's a little bit of retrospect and going back, you know, some people will say, I didn't see it coming. I had no idea. And then, you know, as you get to really work with them, they'll say, yeah, I guess I just wanted to look the other way. Um, and there is something interesting about 10 years. I don't know exactly what it is. It used to be the seven year itch and, uh, mm -hmm. you know, the, the joke with the movie, I don't quite know what year that came out, but that, that you have to admit that that little saying stuck around and it, it might maybe more adequately be renamed the 10 year itch. There's something about that where we, as people, as women predominantly grow in nine year increments with yes. neurology. So um, yes. not to get too out there, woo woo, new agey, but we really have nothing in our body um, the bones regenerate the skin, the organs, obviously the hair, and we know all about that, but you know, your nails grow, your hair grows, your skin grows, but so does everything else, your soul and the, their, your ability and desire to evolve and grow and transform and, and become a different being, even though your soul and spirit stays intact. And, you know, we all kind of grow at different rates. And sometimes mm -hmm. we grow congruently in a path, like two railroad tracks kind of working side by side where, yeah, you're your own entity, but you as a, a partnership, a marriage do continue to move along in that track. And you sign a sacred contract to stay together for who knows, five years, 10 years, 20 years. And I don't mean you're actually signing a piece of paper, but there's this, you know, kind of like, yeah, we're in this to win it. And then something happens, whether it be some person grows at a different pace, some person lags behind, God only knows, right? But we, we wake up. So, you know, looking back now that it's been, you know, a process for you to have this transformational experience, as you called it, and I love that quote, it, it absolutely is a transformational experience. You know, I, I want to ask you a couple questions here. So what do you see as the biggest mistakes most women make when considering divorce that you were able to avoid? Well, I think it's interesting. I think that, uh, that feeling that it's the other person only and that you have to get out totally. And, um, and then it's a quick reaction that sometimes can break apart a family. And then you're not only dealing with your own emotion of coming to terms with this, you're dealing with your children, you're dealing with, you know, your ex-husband and it's, it can lead to a mess. Mm. So I think that the mistake is not the minute you realize this, um, to stop and begin trying to process it for yourself before you make any major decisions about it. Mm. Um, and often I just had a friend recently who came to me that her husband was having an affair and um, she's like, yeah, and I went to go see a lawyer and I'm like, whoa, 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 you know, and they have a, a daughter. And I just said, um, you know, the, the knee jerk reaction to get a lawyer then. Right. And yeah. then, 
the lawyer's the one that's going to win. Um, she's subsequently gone this collaborative route, and she's so thankful because they're both actually in the, in the counseling trying to figure out like what happens in, in a more conscious way. But I think it's that knee-jerk reaction sometimes that women um, go, oh my gosh, but the, the, the affair was the symptom. It's, it wasn't the cause. You know, the, the marriage there's something to the marriage. Someone just doesn't go out and have an affair. And um, so she just reversed it. And so I would say the very first thing for women is to, is to really stop because the ramifications of, of doing a quick reaction financially, emotionally, all of it is really costly, right. not only to them, but to everyone in the process. And this is where women, if they can do that, and we do probably have the ability to do that as, you know, a female species to, we're the nurturers, we're the whatever. It's turning that onto ourselves, that nurturing and really grounding our feet before moving into the next, the next arena of decision-making mm -hmm. and um, with an understanding of our responsibilities and to ourselves, to our children, to our ex-husband, to the family we built, to the, you know, there, there's so much more. Uh, to that. And so for me, it was that initial realization that was like the slow dawning. And of course, 10 years, probably because at nine years, it, it hits. And then at 10 years, it's like, okay, you suddenly see it because you're not willing to see it. And then for so long, it was not willing to see it. You know, it's like, okay, I can make this work. I make things work. I know how to make things work. And, you know, I'm going to fix him. This is what, you know, he just needs help. You know, let me send him all the articles that really apply to what he's, what's wrong with him. Right. <laughs> and then it's like, whoops, wait, the only person I have control over is myself. So then it's really, that's when the growth happened was when I just thought, okay, here I am. And if I don't look at marriage as a finite thing and him having to be the right person at all times, you know, then what do I do with this? And so, um, you know, I think really that second thing is once you take the breather to really assess, which is hard in the emotional space. That's why don't make decisions when you're in that initial emotional space. And you do have to take care of yourself, even if you have kids. Um, and then the, the next thing then is really to, to, to look at, um, you know, the steps and uh, I think we have a great girl. I mean, I, I, I call myself the poster child for collaborative divorce because <laughs> when people see me, they're like, wait, I want some of that. How do you do that? You're so happy. You're so whatever. And I'm like, well, it's not like it happened overnight. I mean, it was a very long process, but as more women, and, and you know this, Paulette, just based on your own experiences and this journey that you've gone on in a different way, but you came to the same uh, place here that I am, yeah. that... Uh, we can inspire others to begin to look at it and support other women in our community that are going through this. And so that's kind of what I feel. I feel like all of a sudden I get the, hey, can, can we have coffee? Hey, do you mind? You know, whatever. And um, we can support each other in this and, and truly inspire each other to think about things. Now, there are certain, certain circumstances and situations, um, and I don't know what the percentage is, where you just, you can't. You know, and and that's when we also need our big sisterhood, you know, because that's just what's happening, you know. And, um, you know, I've had women that their husband filed in a different state before they even knew what happened, mm -hmm. you know, and what do you do there? I mean, and, um, but, but I think as much as we can support each other in that, in that 
uh, process of figuring it out and honoring and really not looking at the villains, but looking at, you know, kind of flipping it and looking at, okay, why is this person in my life? What has he taught me? You know, whereas now I wake up with such gratitude for everything, for my marriage. You know, um, I consider myself having a very successful marriage because it produced a wonderful family of which he is a part. And it also helped me grow to be a more authentic person and to really align myself with my mission in life and, you know, the things that, that I really want to accomplish with so much support around me and to model that for my children. Mm. No, Pam, you bring up such a vital prerequisite to the collaborative process. I mean, you broke it down beautifully, but you, just to reiterate there, it, it really does take two to tango. You know, for those of you that don't, uh, don't have a partner, that is willing to be 100% transparent or agreeable and let's say cooperative and they're a little bit um, withdrawn or secretive and mysterious and maybe aren't really bringing their emotions, their finances and everything to the table. This is where unfortunately the mediating and the collaborative process can fall apart. So there's a, a growing percentage just with the, the work I do of, of women and men that see the necessity or the improvement and the case history out there that it can work. But it is important to know that if, you, if you're coming to this process and you do believe that perhaps your partner or yourself are not willing to be agreeable, open, and transparent to the process of breaking down those three parts that Pam so eloquently explained with the emotional aspect. And that is also more spiritual and mental too. There's that whole category of the layers of the being of, you know, the who, what, why, where, when, and really kind of processing it. And then jumping into the money and the kids, and granted, you you know, luckily your kids were at an age when they were going off to college, but to those parents out there that still have little children or school-age children or, God forbid, the, the dreaded high school years where they're, you know, really stepping into their own confused anyway, and then you're adding more fuel to the fire. But it's much easier if your kids are in college or grown or adults, although they can sometimes not process it too well. So, you know, for those those that don't perhaps have that 100% and, you know, maybe we go into it 90%, nobody's perfect. But so with your experience, like what advice would you give to a woman out there who's contemplating divorce and fearful that then maybe their partner or themselves aren't quite ready to be transparent? Well, and I, I think actually that that is the case regardless. Um, I think that, um, one of the challenge, this is why even if the mediation process falls apart, it's a, it's, it's a great place to try to start because I find once you get lawyer, when, when you hire someone to be on your team, they're on your team and they're against the other person. Right. So automatically you're in a contentious situation right. and that really escalates fast. So I, while I agree that you may end up having to end up that way, um, it still is that being able to start with figuring it out. And even if it's just you, you know how they'll say, you know, when you're raising your kids and I, so many moms will say, I do a lot of parenting 
uh, classes and I write a blog about it. And I think the uh, they'll say, well, my husband doesn't agree with, you know, he's whatever. Sometimes you can just model and you do have to work it out or whatever, but you can never be this 50 fit. You know, you, you really have to just own your piece of what you do have in your, you know, lane and stay in your lane and do your best. And I think um, it's trusting. And this is where that, that human spirit comes in, you know, the, um, uh, I'm one of the co-founders of the Victor Frankl Institute of America, you know, this whole man search for meaning. And I think that when we have that human spirit to guide us and we can quiet ourselves down to listen, it's, you know, a very um, untapped resource for us to guide us and show us where we need to go if we can listen to it. I think it's it's first getting that calming down. But I, I, I still would advise, even though you can't necessarily go the mediator route, to, to start there if you can. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't mention that to be pessimistic. I'm eternally optimistic that both parties, when they can really let the dust settle and realize that you can only control yourself and not the other person, uh, nor could you ever, even if you maybe thought that <laughs> that was something that you were able to do. stages of your utopian, you know, relationship yeah. of marriage bliss. But we we suddenly start to realize, like, if the person doesn't want to be in a um, a, a deeply committed, um, mutually um, I don't want to say satisfying, but mutually um, growth allowing, allowing for growth and, you know, right. Yeah. That, that, um, that there's really, you're both setting yourself up for failure. So, but you know, there typically is a sense of absorption where you digest and assimilate. Wow. Okay. This is what we had hoped for. This is what is, and what can yes. we do to make this best for the children so that they don't continue to see us fight and they don't continue to see us misbehave and not treat each other with the respect that we deserve because we're truly set an ex setting an example for what we allow the other person to do to us, whether that be stifle us, control us, manipulate us. Well, if we allow it, then we're really giving an example to our children of what we will allow. But now it's a matter of like, okay, so I have been contemplating divorce or I'm not, I mean, me and you, but like, you know, the hypothetical where you and I both were at the 10 year itch, you know, of like, ah, what do I do? And like, and you know that it's such a, a hard conversation to have with yourself. And it's, it's, it's terrifying to think, did I just have that thought? Like, oh my God, like, wait, I didn't really just have that thought, did I? Like, that was, that was like another entity or another alien or a being that I don't even know yet. And, and from the research I've done with experts and the work I've done is I found that on average, the person that is the one that wants to ask for the divorce has been contemplating it internally for a minimum of two years. Now, 70% of women are the one, 70% of divorce is filed by women. And 85% and of social media, 85% uh, of evidence in divorce, whether it be financial or, you know, 
you know, like ridiculing or insulting or disrespecting each other comes from social media. Like divorce now is a whole different world because of um, email and texting and apps and co-parenting apps. And, you know, it's a different world now and it's, it's better in so many ways, but it's so much more complicated and convoluted because of you know, dating sites and people, I mean, people will stalk each other and check up on each other. It it can get really ugly and mean and, you know, the game playing and it can get nasty. I mean, you think back to the days when um, there were no cell phones and when you wanted to write a letter to somebody, you needed to get a piece of paper and a pen and it stayed between you and that person. It didn't just get forwarded or copied or blind copied or copy and pasted or sent to, you You, you see where I'm going. No, I, I totally do. But you know, what's interesting for me is I think the other part to this is even though I recognized at 10 years, I stayed another 14. And I want to make the point that sometimes if I was just looking at the marriage, I would have not wanted to stay. But my family fed me and was, was the balance or the counterbalance to the marriage. And also, um, you know, as I'm going through this, I'm remembering always that my kids are half of him. And I see you know, with such sadness when I see parents that are attacking each other. And um, a friend's daughter was telling me this. She's like, you know, I think I'm like that. My dad's like that, but I think I'm like that. You know, that that we're not realizing that the children are half of both and they can recognize parts of themselves into both. So it's, it's really something to be careful of. And then also if the marriage isn't um, meeting expectation or isn't you know, I, I believe, again, that always has a role of growth for you is to decide how you can feed yourself if it's not coming from the marriage within the context of this this environment anyway. For me, it was um, I didn't want to deal with my kids being broken heart, you know, while they were in, you know, middle school and, and high school and all of that. I thought, no, I'm going to be present. So it wasn't like I suffered through it, although certainly right. times felt like that. You it wasn't like I gritted my teeth. It was really like, okay, so here I am. You know, what do you do in a situation of unavoidable, you know, suffering in this one aspect? I changed my attitude about it. I changed my attitude and said, wow, but look at what I do have. I have my family. I have the traditions of my children. I don't have to only get my children certain time. And that trade-off for me was worth it. Right. Well, you know, you were one of the lucky ones that you weren't enduring unbearable abuse or addiction or um, afflictions with um, affairs and, you know, all kinds of manipulative things. So, you know, when it's a matter of just like, I, is, is it damaging well, my soul or am I just... It well, it was neglect. I mean, neglect is the opposite side of abuse. I mean, he just right. wasn't there at all. <laughs> and, you know, and so would go off and do his own thing. And, you know, I'm like, hello, and there I am with the kids. And, you know, so it's it doesn't have to be so strong all the time to still... Right have the same implications. So I wouldn't say that this was, we're both la, 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 and there wasn't, you know, it was, um, 
you know, abuse and neglect are two sides of the same coin. No, absolutely. And there's so many different layers or shades of, of emotions with what's the definition. And if it feels um, counterintuitive and feels um, against the grain of what feels right to you, then it's, it's absolutely not in your alignment to stay. But mm -hmm. what I meant to say was there for those women that really are in like physically abusive relationships or, you oh, know, yeah. really oh. dealing with a, a, a person who yes. has a very, yeah. <laughs> you know, there, there, there's no waiting 14 years, you know? No, no, you get out. Yes. In, in right. those circumstances, you're out. Absolutely. Right. It's, it's so I don't, I just want to make sure that we're not sending a message to anyone out there that's like, oh my God, she waited 14 years. Like there's no blankety blank way I could endure that. So always make sure that, you know, you are following the guidelines to your safety first, safety second, yes. safety third yes. for you and your kids, regardless of anything. So, so here we are, oh my God, entering what I think is the best damn chapter of our lives post-divorce. Now I'm remarried. Have you, recon have you considered remarriage? No, not right now. I, I, am, <laughs> I am just so grateful for my life every day. I'm so grateful for my free, it's just so freeing. There's so mm. much freedom and um, you know, just, I have a mission, you know, I, you know, I'm working on so many things yeah. that, um, that I'm just really, really treasuring this time. Mm. And I don't think there's been a period in my life where I haven't had responsibility for someone or taking care of everything for, you know, and for the first time, you know, my, my job as a parent was to teach my daughters to go out in the world and be adults. And I think I'm grateful for that. They're good mm -hmm. people. And, um, so it really is a time for me to, you know, focus on my mission. So no, I have not, um, you know, been interested. I know, uh, my ex-husband was, de is definitely, you know, dating and on the websites and doing all that. And I'm thrilled for that. I mean, I, I would like him to find somebody and be happy. I'm, I'm, um, but for me, I am just really enjoying this, this, really an incredible time in my life of um, just having lots of friends and great family members and you know so it's it's really well, you nailed it Pam just when you said I am so grateful for my freedom I hear that from women every day that it there's this sense of liberation and a breath of fresh air and a sense of relief where they feel unencumbered and unburdened and more connected to them as a spiritual serving being of womanhood and, you know, yes. of service and, and being able to, you mentioned it earlier in our conversation about really like supporting other women and helping them from our experiences. It's very comforting to be able to take your uh, lessons and your experiences and convert it into wisdom and then start to give back. Yes. And I think that that is what it, that, that recognizing that each of us is unique and has different experiences and views, has different perspective. You know, it's really, um, 
healing to hear other people's stories and be the listener. And because it's not the advice. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's really walking with them as they're figuring it out rather than telling them what to do because it's their own process. And I think that that's, you know, as you know, with your mediation, that's exactly it. You're not solving it. You're coming to this, this place. But I think, um, it's really inspiring to see women as they go through this and, um, you know, discover themselves and take responsibility and really uh, embrace freedoms. Uh, but freedoms always have that responsibility. And so it's just, it's just a really um, uh, important time for us for women to walk with each other and in a supportive way not in like here this is what you do kind of a thing because we're all so different yeah and every case is different and we have to embrace that yes i know that there's people listening and are thinking to themselves like how can i learn more about this woman she seems so wise can you share with them a little bit about the work you do and how they can learn more about you Yes. Well, I have several areas that, um, that I am following. I have a blog. It's called Pam Roy Blog. And it is um, a blog about parenting. And um, I don't really talk a lot about divorce. I mean, Paulette, you were, you know, you and I had connected and I'm happy to share, but it's not the, the, the area that <laughs> I spend a lot of time in other than yeah. with personal friends. Um, so it's mainly in the area of um, parenting. And then I um, was very inspired by Man's Search for Meaning, the book of Viktor Frankl, and I happened to meet his grandson. And we've partnered on some film, a film series, as well as um, the Viktor Frankl Institute of America, which is a resource website. Um, about his ideas about really, which is meaning, how important meaning is, how unique each of us, uh, each person is, and, um, you know, our freedoms and responsibilities to ourselves and, and each other in the world. And I do a lot with education. That's really my primary interest is children. And um, so I write the blog, I speak, I do some parenting workshops, I written uh, a book that's coming out on the inspiring wisdom of Viktor Frankl, which is kind of a reflection book, a little guide. And um, so I'm just, uh, yes, I would say I'm in the jet stream of my life. I don't know. Things keep coming. <laughs> like, I didn't think I'd be doing that, but, uh, but, but that's what I'm doing. Perfect. So what is your blog or website and social media so people can find you? Yeah, it's just Pam Roy blog. Okay. .com. So um, it was one of those things that I was trying to come up with a creative name, but um, there you I, go. <laughs> but I just uh, I just said let's put this in there for now, and you know, two years later, that's still the name. <laughs> so um, yes, so it's just Pam Roy blog. Well, I thank you so much for taking this time. It was karma and. I don't know, synchronicity that you and I just ran into each other and connected yes. because I knew that I was searching for a success story because divorce does not have to be sad more than it is, fearful more than needed, and financially destroying and any other, you know, does not have to rip apart the family. What I love that you said is you didn't want to lose the family you wanted to lose the marriage or yes. 
maybe lose wasn't the word, but, and there's such, there's such a difference between that statement that you, that you wanted to keep the family, that you just didn't want to keep the marriage. And we do sometimes have to see boundaries and what works, keep what's working and don't keep what isn't. Sometimes we have to you know, let go of things and peel away the layers and start to really uh, exfoliate our lives just like we do everything else with taking care of our, our, our bodies and cleaning, spring cleaning and um, just making sure that we're keeping the nurturing, loving part of ourselves in our relationships and starting to cut away, like pruning the trees, you know, making sure that you're keeping the healthy part and letting go of the unhealthy part. Yes. Yes. I just saw a quote recently. It was like, why is this happening to me? And it it was lined out and it said, what can I learn from this? Mm. And um, always, always having that come in. And, um, but I think that's where that support comes in. Uh, of not doing this for so many generations, women suffered in silence. And as if they were questioning things or struggling or whatever, it was um, not, it wasn't something we shared, you know, and now, uh, which is the good thing about social media and things like your podcast and things like that, we now have the ability to tell our stories to each other as a means of support. Um, and a possible means of possibilities or lessons of we did this and this is what we would we've learned from it and we don't want to do now kind of a thing so um lots of good things no i respect that i see also those few or uh, a majority of people that keep the mask on and keep pretending that everything is just perfect although nothing's perfect no and, and really um, suffer in silence and keep pretending that I'm okay. Everything's great. Um, this is just the way it is. That it's the best it could be and are afraid to really speak the truth and take a chance to talk about it and try to make it healthier and better. So they stay married or they quote unquote, stay together for the children, even five, 10, 15, 20 years after the kids are grown. Yes. Yes. That just breaks my heart. I see cancer and disease and dysfunction and anger and resentment and so much misbehaving when I see that two people are stuck together or they feel they're stuck together where they could have made the healthier decision to grow and be honest and tell their truth, tell their story. You know, shake hands, hug, make a decision to make it better for everybody and go their separate ways. So kudos to you for having that courage, that resilience, and that strength to inspire and empower your daughters to know that a mother does not need to suffer in silence and she has every right to be her most powerful, best version of herself. Thank you. Yes, thank you. You're welcome. Thank you, Pam. And thank you, everyone. Wow, I'm coming up on episode 43. Um, This is crazy, but it's going well. Thank you, everyone, for subscribing and listening. It's amazing how many more women are sharing the story and sharing the love of this sisterhood. So keep thriving in the chaos.